Hello everybody, this is Comsort, and I'd like to invite you to a new episode of podcast. We're going to be delving into a what-if scenario. What if, instead of Commander Farsight being put um, at the forefront of the reclamation uh, after the Lathesh War, the first Damocles Gulf Crusade, what if Commander Shadowsun had uh, gone in his stead and Farsight had been put on ice? Um, kind of a fascinating thing that came up on the Discord. Uh, really excited to uh, to share this with you. We'll be uh, actually as a result of uh, the the discussion, we uh, we actually came up with another what if scenario, um, which we'll be following up with next week. Um, yeah, uh, excited to get started. So why don't we jump in? All right. And cool. All right. <clears throat> so today, um, today I'd like to talk about uh, something a little bit new. Um, as in the introduction of season three, we were talking about kind of taking taking lore in a in a different direction, in a new in, perhaps in a new direction. Um, because let's face it, uh, after. Oh, we've got almost, uh, I think we've got almost 20 episodes. We are, we are reaching the tail end of what lore is available. And there, there haven't been too many, uh, lore additions to, to Tau. So, um, so one of the things that we're going to do is start stretching out into other armies and see how the relationships and the lore kind of, uh, are represented. So, um, so there is an inquisitorial, uh, versus Tau kind of lore uh, coming up. Um, we're all really eagerly waiting for the Votan uh, to be released so that we can we can understand what you know if if the Demir got absorbed into them things like that. Um, but for today, uh, we're going to do something that is I, I feel like is honestly the the kind of the 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 spear point uh, the tip of the spear of of Tau. Uh, or excuse me, I'll just say Warhammer 40k lore enthusiast, which is which is delving into the very dangerous topic of what if. So what if scenarios are things like uh, probably most famously in all of Warhammer 40k fan lore. Uh, probably you know it addresses what if a different Primarch uh, had rebelled, and if you have never read it, there is an absolutely excellent uh, web based series of uh, novellas uh all, all fan made um with a what if scenario what if dorn uh, had rebelled against uh the emperor instead of horus um with horus obviously being a loyalist it is a fa- it, it, i think it was written like back in 2007 or 2008 uh and it grew to a, to to fanfare and to uh and to just a lot of community engagement it was really interesting and then, of course, you know th- there were spinoffs where it was like, I think, uh, what if Jagata Khan had uh, had rebelled? What if Sanguinius had rebelled? Uh, and and it has just kind of cascaded into a bunch of what if scenarios. But rarely do we uh, see any Tau what ifs. And and so, um, talking a little bit on on Discord, uh, there are two moments I think in Tau history that are we'll, we'll be talking about one of them today. Um, two that are really, they really are just 
fascinating what if scenarios because because it's such a smaller uh, part of the 40k universe, um, we actually can kind of track the uh, track the changes or track the track the 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 kind of the domino effect um, much much easier. And and those two moments are what if the Imperial Crusade, the Damocles Crusade, uh, the first one during the during the event that the Tau called the the Lethesh War. Um, what if they had, once they reached Dalith, um, instead of turning back around because of you know, the, the war kind of grinding to a halt, uh, General Gage and Admiral Jalak uh, both realizing that this is not like a very, you know, this isn't a small alien empire. It's an alien empire over a hundred worlds. Um, the, the crusade is not fit to engage with them. They've already suffered something like 35% casualties, uh, a lot of those casualties are space marines. The titans that they've brought with them are not having the effect that they normally would on an alien empire, especially one uh, that doesn't have titans in response. Uh, it's just, it's, 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 uh, it's, they, they were not prepared for this conflict. Um, and, uh, and then on top of which, uh, the, Inqui the Inquisition, including uh, the Realm of Ultramar, both send out a uh, kind of like a distress call saying that there is a new threat, the Tyranids that are coming in. And so, you know, I think in one of the only instances, uh, at least in the 40th, uh, the 40th millennium, the, the Imperium sues for peace, you know, they parlay with aliens uh, and they, and they agreed to go to the negotiating table. But a, an interesting, what if would have been, um, instead of the Space Marines and Imperial Guard advocating to not virus bomb Dalith like the Inquisition and, uh, and the Ecclesiarchy both wanted, uh, what if they had voted yes and instead of going to the, to the, to the peace, uh, or I guess maybe peace is too harsh of a word, uh, to the parlay, what if the Imperium had virus bombed and destroyed the population on Dalith? Uh, so that was one instance, um, and then of course the one that that happens right after that is, uh, what if in the aftermath of the Dalith uh, conflict, what if Commander Farsight instead of Commander Shadowsun had been put on ice, and uh, and Shadowsun had actually uh, you know let, been unleashed uh, on on the galaxy. And uh, and we put it to a vote, and uh, the Shadow Sun Farsight uh, scenario was selected. So we'll be talking about that today. Okay, so with any what if scenario, um, we really have to we really have to pinpoint where where is the where is the division of time, right? Um, so a little backstory. Um, Toward the end of 742 Millennium 41, Farsight becomes, uh, basically becomes famous. Uh, he, uh, he's, he's regarded as the hero of the Arkunasha War. Um, now the Arkunasha War likely took place uh, in, the, in the Viorla Sept. Um, Chass uh, uh, at this time, uh, Farsight is a Chassel, so that's a sub-commander. He is not, he's not an overarching commander. Um, he has recently come into contact with on she on she had to kind of talk him talk him off the ledge um, and he was actually uh, stripped of that command now remember the Tao do not regard uh, being 
being reduced in this manner as that big of a deal, typically. Um, however, Farsight takes it super seriously. The fact that he couldn't finish the Arkanasha War and only be the commander involved in the evacuation um, is something that uh, he holds on to. We can see this most obviously in his uh, his decision to paint his his uh, his XV-8, um, his Crisis Battlesuit, in the colors of the Arkanasha Oxide Deserts. Um, now, for full disclosure, that has changed some, depending on which author you go to. Uh, one author uh, believes that the reason he painted his uh, Crisis Suit red is uh, for the blood of those that were spilled there, but whichever way you go with, it's as a result of obviously an extremely traumatic uh, event, um, and uh, I've talked about it before. I believe that uh, Farsight suffers from an extreme uh, version of PTSD uh, in that because he wasn't allowed to finish the war on Arkunasha, uh, it basically carried with him over into every decision, uh, including eventually breaking away from the uh, Commonwealth um, and, uh, and, and, both, and both of the reasons why painting your, painting your XV-8 uh, red are kind of indicative of that trauma. So, so it's important to know that that's the mindset of Farsight when he goes to Commander Puretide over on Dalith and uh, begins his formalized, uh, let's, let's call it uh, the masterclass training. Um, now, Commander Puretide, an interesting character in case uh, you don't know about him. He is the preeminent uh, Chasso uh, or, uh, or the Chassaro, uh, which is kind of like the overarching uh, Tau military commander um, in, in the Commonwealth. He's responsible for several uh, sept creations, including Tashvar. But while on, let's call it like on review of the border, he is mysteriously wounded. Um, and that wound, uh, which is suspected in some instances to have been poisoned, um, kind of cripples him and 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 forces him into uh, into retirement, which he which he does uh, take part in. But instead of going to Atal, which is kind of where most people go when they retire, it's it's a, it's kind of like a, a paradise sept. Um, he he insists on going back to Dalith, his ho his home sept. Um, where he will train the next generation of of commanders. Um, those commanders are as follows. Uh, we have Commander Farsight, uh, at this time Sub-Commander Farsight. We have Sub-Commander Shadowsun. We have Sub-Commander uh, Kais um, slash uh, Icewind, or, or excuse me, uh, Coldwind. Um, as I've stated in, in other episodes, the... The previously Andy Hoare had written that the third disciple of Pure Type was uh, was a guy named uh, Coldwind, um, and then in later in uh, in later books, uh, including Empire of Lies by Phil Kelly, uh, that uh, that that switches over to Kais. So, not sure if that was a full replacement, but it's but uh, Coldwind is never uh, never mentioned again. So so these three disciples. Um, and disciples are are really good. I mean, they're not just uh, acolytes. They're not students. Um, they really are embodying the the let's call it the focal points of Pure Tide's methodology of war. Um, Pure Tide, uh, who you know, basically combined the notions of Kayon, Montka, uh, and this kind of new version of uh, 
of, of war methodology called Monat. Um, again, this is where we get into a little bit of conflicting theory. Monat is is uh, is usually considered a bad thing. It's uh, it's kind of what what happens to crisis suit pilots, uh, or or really just Tau in general. But um, but but basically, when uh, when you have the survivor of a team or what's left over of a cadre and they're experiencing uh, that PTSD, they will often enter a monat configuration. And the idea is, is that they, they're almost, they're a little bit, I mean, to the fire cast, they're very much kind of almost suicide troops. Um, but, but the, but obviously in Tau fashion who, who don't who kind of look down on that sort of thing, um, they, they, uh, they're, they're also regarded as, you know, being able to cleanse themselves and, and come back. Um, so, but but then in later iterations of of Tal lore, Monat turns into uh, a third um, a third tact, uh, tactical choice. Uh, just so everybody knows, there are seven. Um, there's an episode about them, uh, including things like Hesashi, which is like victory through numbers, and so on and so forth. But we'll focus on Monat, Kayon, and Monat, and what where where Pure Tide was able to combine all three aspects of uh, of that war stratagem um the three students kind of Im, Im, t- take on uh one aspect each farsight takes on montka kayon uh is is basically championed by uh shadow sun and uh and then monad by kais so so again in order to kind of understand this what if scenario and i, I do know that we're, we're going on a little bit of a tangent but uh, but it's good to know that basically Montka is the most aggressive form of of Tau hunting tactics. It involves a direct confrontation, massive direct confrontation. Um, it's the closest I think you get to like the idea of a direct assault. Uh, you know, a lot of people can probably imagine that. Uh, uh, that dynamic entry uh, cover from the Montka book or the the Farsight Codex, where you just see Farsight or a member of the Farsight enclaves, just you know dropping directly on the enemy, and uh, it really relies on a single uh, crushing blow um, at extreme close range. Um, then you have Kayon, and Kayon's a little bit more abstract. Um, you know, even even kind of think taking into consideration the uh, the board game iteration of this tactic, Kayon involves uh, basically, in a nutshell, uh, using lo- a series of lures um, to draw out the enemy. Um, uh, to to uh, so what what will often be done is a lone ship will be sent out in the case of like uh, void tactics. Um, or 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 a seemingly damaged uh, transport or 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 a lone unit uh, will be out there, and as soon as they come into contact with the enemy, they will fall back uh, after kind of a punitive uh, defense. And the enemy, thinking that they you know they've got the bad guys on the run, uh, they will then find themselves be uh, encircled uh, by the enemy. Uh, you could <laughs> you could think of uh, the Return of the Jedi moment where the Imperials are drawn out of the shield generator on Endor and they get uh, surrounded by you know Han Solo and the Ewoks. That's that's kind of like a classic Kion tactic. Um, and and Shadow Sun really uses this to a 
to a, a massive, massively successful degree on Dalith when, uh, when the crusade lands. Now, um, the three acolytes uh, do enter combat. Um, theoretically, uh, this is their trial by fire. Um, that Pure Tide uh, is overseeing. Pure Tide is also uh, in charge of a lot of the Commonwealth, uh, the Commonwealth's defense during the Lathesh, during the last half of the Lathesh War, um, and and uh, and Farsight kind of takes over for for hitting all of the uh, major uh, armored formations, uh, the Space Marine attacks, uh, including the Scarlord. Uh, thrust that um, that eventually sees the death of their chapter master. Um, so all three tactics are used during this time period. We don't really know very much about uh, Kais or Monat at this time. So let's focus on this is where the first domino is. Um, you have a very loud, very in-your-face um, grudge match going on between Farsight and kind of the major... Uh, Space Marine formations, and the reason why he will be uh, kind of catapulted to um, that preeminent Shasar O uh, position after the war uh, is be uh, is because of these very uh, very big, very loud uh, engagements that he partakes in. Um, he's responsible for two massive victories against. Uh, the Imperium at this time, uh, Black Mesa Ridge, for example, is where we see the uh, utilization of the, or excuse me, Black Thunder, Black Thunder, um, the utilization of uh, of the the kind of the, the Tau Power Fist, the Onager Gauntlet. Um, a, a bunch of these are utilized, and they uh, the, the the Crisis teams that are sent uh, just smash this Imperial uh, armored formation. Now, never mind that I th there's only one survivor of that engagement. Um, you know, represent almost a, a total loss of the formation. Um, it is it is regarded as a as a massive victory, um, and victories like that. Uh, oh, sorry, and the second one uh, being the the death of the chapter master of the Scar Lords chapter. Um, uh, and the death of his kind of first company elements uh, as they try to get underneath uh, a city and uh, and destroy its foundations. Um, uh, Farsight sends his former tutor um, when he was uh, at the Viorla Academies, uh, and the guy activates a, sta a stasis bomb, and it effectively, uh, I mean, effectively kills the himself and the uh, and the chapter master, um, or at least freezes them for several hundred years. Um, so these two victories, um, are the reason why he is chosen to eventually lead the reclamation forces. Shadow Sun, though, and this is, again, this is, a uh, in Farsight's opinion, Shadow Sun was actually more successful on Delith. However, all of her victories, uh, are, were done with, uh, with, with let's call it with the, with, with the Velvet Glove, or at least the... The, the the hidden dagger you know uh, take your take your analogies um, as you will um, but but Shadow Sun really accomplishes all of her victories without anybody really knowing about them she's leading stealth teams uh, kind of in the terminus area of of Dalith where the sun is constantly rising and she is just basically she's just laying waste to all of the uh, the supply centers of the of the Imperium and. Farsight really attributes the victory that 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 is seen on this world. Um, he attributes the victory to Shadow Sun, but she is not chosen. Instead, uh, Anva, 
Um, I don't think is a very smart decision, but then again, I, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Anva. Uh, he chooses to take the uh, the the several of the acolytes and put them on ice, uh, and use them for future conflicts. So so what does that mean? All right, so Farsight will go on and he will uh, basically retake a lot uh, a lot of these worlds that were lost as a result of the Crusade. This is done. Kind of interestingly, because it's done in the face of the Dalith Treaty. Um, and this treaty, by the way, basically creates a hard border that the, the Imperium says that they're not going to cross. And the, and the Tau Commonwealth says that they're not going to cross. Now, obviously, the almost within the year of after the signing of this treaty, uh, we have things like, you know, an Adeptus Mechanicus incursion fleet uh, comes in and, and just... And, and and kind of lays waste uh, to to a colony, um, uh, a colony called uh, Vecchio, uh, and that's actually yeah that's like two years after or three years after the the end of uh, the end of the Dalith campaign, um, and then there of course there are Tau reprisals over the course of the next twenty years the Tau will have to like deal internally with uh, kind of rogue commanders like Br Brightsword going off and uh, picking a fight um, uh, with uh, with all manner of uh, kind of like local imperial worlds and things like that. So so it's an so it's an interesting time. But but Farsight is effectively chosen to go and reclaim uh, the area the immediate area on the other side of the Damocles Gulf uh, that was lost. Now these worlds um, include places like Kronos, which you know the Dawn of War campaign is based on. Um, there's also Kleist and Garrus. Um, Garrus being kind of like a uh, a heavy mining world. Kleist being a place of, let's call it like high culture, if if uh, if such a thing is possible in the Imperium. Um, it is a it's a it's a world that's uh, ruled over by a series of like councils. It's a it's a nice but it's one of those few places in 40k that that seems to be a, a nice place to live. Um, except for when the Imperials came in and then executed the leadership for uh, for for allowing uh, a Xenos into their into their society, so these worlds. Um, uh, there's also Illuminus. I should also mention Illuminus because that'll become important later. But these these worlds um, were human, and uh, but they were they were they had joined they had joined the Tau. Um, there's also the the colony of Silikel, which was probably on its way to becoming a sept in its own right. Um, this was a major area of uh, of Tau development, and Farsight is chosen to go and reclaim it. Now, this is where the domino falls. So imagine, if you will, instead of Farsight taking all of the publicity for the victory on Dalith, for me... I imagine that Farsight is actually wounded. I think that that's the only way that you that you get this domino to fall. Um, I think that Farsight could have been wounded in a variety of different ways. He was always leading from the front. Um, he's an extremely good uh, frontline commander, um, whereas Shadow Sun uh, is is kind of like a is is a better let's call it like a midfield commander but i imagine for this what if scenario that farsight is wounded um probably fighting against uh space marines maybe even cato sicarius um uh who is who is on dalith at the time uh and and in being wounded 
um, Anva determines that he can't have somebody who's been crippled uh, lead lead the charge. And so instead, he'll allow Farsight to recuperate and put him in stasis. Um, instead, Shadow Sun is chosen. Uh, and Shadow Sun, you know, is not is not as loved as Commander Farsight. Now, that's not to say that she has detractors. In fact, I don't believe that there's ever been any detractors mentioned of Shadow Sun. I think Shadow Sun is, uh, is kind of like a, a warrior's warrior, you know? Um, whereas Farsight really is a celebrity um, in all of the casts. He's appreciated in the uh, the ethereal cast, obviously, at this time. Um, the air cast is a huge fan of him, um, uh, and, uh, and he even has some contacts in the earth cast. The only people that are kind of uh, are, are skeptical of him is the water cast, and that actually makes a lot of sense, especially what happens to him. Um, but as we but if we if we fuel this Shadow Sun uh, becoming becoming the paramount uh, commander, um, she's got uh, close ties with some of the Earth cast. Um, she is respected um, in the Fire cast, but she's not a celebrity. Um, I think the Ethereals kind of overlook her a little bit as a result of her lack of being able to be kind of that 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 figure of propaganda. But the Water cast absolutely adores Shadow Sun. Um, and this is obvious because during, you know, in the in the actual canonical timeline, um, it is Shadow Sun that kind of uh, weaponizes the water cast. And 30% of the uh, addition, oh, excuse me, the, when the Empire expands by 30% during the, the, the third sphere, two-thirds of that, so about, you know, let's say like 75% of the worlds and colonies taken are as a direct result of the water cast. And they're done so without a shot being fired. Um, the water cast, uh, which had kind of, let's say they kind of failed in the second sphere, um, as a result of not being able to bring the orcs into compliance with, uh, with Tau culture. This is again, a thing, uh, the, the water cast regards the orcs as their, uh, preeminent failure, or, or I guess maybe their failure paramount, um, they, uh, you know, they, 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 they needed a win, and that comes later in the third sphere. But that's that's like almost two hundred years later. So now imagine, imagine Shadow Sun is chosen. Okay, so she is placed in charge of the largest single fleet, a reclamation fleet that has ever been assembled by the Tau. What is what does that look like? Um, for me, I think that Shadow Sun really really recognizes more so than anybody, um, definitely more so than Farsight, that the Imperium is big. It's bigger than any, it's bigger than anything anybody ever thought. Uh, it's, it is, uh, it is not uh, a culture in decline, which, uh, which early explorers definitely thought that the Imperium, you know, must have been like some, some ancient civilization that is still in the process of fading away. I think she understands the importance of diplomacy the most. So during this reclamation, the immediate tonal change that would happen is that Shadow Sun would arrive to uh, the expansion region. Um, let's call it the uh, the Timbra subsector. That's what the that's what the Imperium calls uh, the area of space that the tower expanding into. So she arrives in the Timbra subsector, and here instead of like what Farsight did. Now Farsight, he landed on these planets and just started, you know, slaying his way, um, killing the remaining Imperial, uh, the, uh, uh, occupation forces, liberating, 
the human populations that had already, that had joined the Tao, um, but basically using an extremely heavy hand in order to bring these worlds back. Um, this is done to some ex- success. Um, everybody's really, you know, everybody was really behind Farsight when he did this, but he lost something like fifty percent of his uh, of his armed forces during this time period. Um, and this time period is about, uh, let's see, it is about, yeah, about 15, 10 to to 15 years uh, in order for him to take these areas back. And now keep in mind, the PDFs, uh, the, the planetary defense forces that are defending these worlds, you know, I mean, everybody here plays probably at least has a cursory understanding of like PDFs. Planetary defense forces are not the elite of the Imperium. In fact, they're kind of the the guys that, you know, they're the bullet magnets that soak up as much damage uh, as they can until the Imperial Guard can show up or the Space Marines can show up. Um, these are not elite forces. Yet, because of Farsight's heavy-handedness, perhaps perhaps because, you know, like his acolyte uh, Brightsword, who, you know, kind of is responsible for several mass murders of Imperial Guard formations. Maybe Farsight is, because of his lack of diplomacy, actually galvanizes the PDFs to uh, to not uh, to not surrender. You know, because maybe they think that they they'll be executed or something like that. Um, and a fifty, I mean, a ten to fifteen year period of time is an extremely long time to be reclaiming an area of space that was more or less conquered in two years um so now we imagine shadow sun right i think that instead of that instead of hitting this area so hard she actually sends the diplomats first um and i think that she does this in a smaller amount of time uh, hearts and minds if you will uh, I think that she convinces these local planetary leaders who have literally not even not even five years ago uh, these these new dynasties and these installed uh, you know these installed imperial commanders I don't think that she would have a hard time convincing them to come back on board and if not back on board then at least be uh, be open to trade. Um, remember, uh, a common misconception for for uh, a lot of uh, 40k enthusiasts is that the the Tau have this join or die approach. Now they do have that, you know, literally in black and white in several areas, and uh, and it's something that I I kind of uh, I, I always rub against uh, because in practice um, we see that there are dozens of alien uh, alien uh, empires and alien territories that are now uh, incorporated into the Commonwealth. Um, and a lot of them don't even, you know, they don't really do anything. A lot of them are just trade partners or have some kind of trade agreement with the Tau. Um, this is, uh, this is an aspect of, uh, of the Tau that I think really proves, at least to me, uh, how, uh, ultimately they need to be a force of good, uh, in the 40k universe. Otherwise they would just, uh, otherwise they'd just be extinguished. Um, in fact, the reclamation is a, is a perfect example of like what, the Tau do wrong when they when they only use force of arms to try to get you to to join. So so I think that Shadow Sun would utilize her 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 water cast envoys to a degree that Farsight would have never considered. And based on the water water cast's previous successes, I think that this entire region would probably be brought into compliance into 
in in less than half the time. Sure, you're going to have to uh, do some, you know, you're, you're probably going to have to have some popular revolutions, maybe even some coordinated assassinations and stuff like that. But generally speaking, Shadow Sun knows her stuff, as does the water cast. So here's where I think it gets really interesting. So Shadow Sun has now entered into this area, the timber subsector. She's been uh, she's been turning planets back to the uh, to the greater good, if you will, and in doing so, um, she's capturing all of these areas intact. Uh, you know, she doesn't have to hit the factory complexes or the mining uh, the mining facilities, things like that. She's capturing worlds. Let's say seventy five percent of them. She captures seventy five percent of these worlds without having to fire a shot. Um, that creates a really really robust region um, with planets that that could immediately start providing uh, reconstruction efforts, especially to Silicel. Um, and you and you start and you start realizing that like you know the the bonds I think between humans and Tau can actually be uh, reinforced um, during this time period. Canonically, uh, we have the largest influx until, of course, the third sphere. Uh, we have the largest influx of Guevessa into Tau society. Um, I think that this would have been only multiplied under Shadow Sun. Um, and I think that you would get really, really strong uh, city, almost like think of them as like Greek city-states um, in the form of these planets where they have, they've been abandoned by the Imperium, right? The Imperium is off fighting the Tyranids now. Um, they were just witness to a really violent, really violent uh, coups and really violent uh, uh, formal uh, judgment and, and, uh, and executions by... Uh, uh, Esau Gurney, who who represented the Ecclesiarchy during the Damocles Gulf Crusade, like this guy came in, and you know they you do do what the Imperium does, you know, lots of probably witch burnings, uh, public hangings, public shootings, you know, things like that. These planets would have been traumatized, and for a alien warlord to come in named Shadow Sun, who's actually offering a chance to help rebuild their societies and bring the and bring them closer to this, you know, to 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 a time of peace. I, I don't think that's any question. I think these worlds all end up becoming advocates for for the Tau. But it's not it's not all you know. It's not going to be all rainbows and sunshine and everything because of what happens next. Now, Farsight at the end of the reclamation, uh, his first um, big act of uh, well, uh, let's call it rebellion, right? Farsight's first big big act is to, after the reclamation is complete, he does not come home. He stays out there. He stays out in the middle of nowhere. And because, and I strongly think of, because of the events on Arkunasha, he goes and picks a fight um, with a guy, uh, with, with an orc, excuse me, uh, that um, is a, a Grog Iron Teeth. Uh, I am not good at saying orc names. Um but Grog Iron Teeth is the War Chief of Alsanta. And if you look at a map of the Warhammer 40k galaxy before the Cicatrix Maledictum opened, you can see that the Alsanta uh, Empire of the of Orcs is giant. It's actually bigger um, than the Tau Empire. Um, there's been a lot of speculation that it was Grog uh, that was responsible for destroying the Krut Empire that exists in the previous uh, millennium. Um, I am I, I am a believer in that uh, supposition. Grog Iron Teeth is 
is a is a big hitter. He's uh, he is an incredibly successful warlord. Um, I, I I would say that in the Ultima Segmentum, there is nobody more adept at un- unifying the orcs other than Gazkull. Um and Farsight basically wanders into Grog Iron Teeth's kingdom, um, pay- looking for a fight. Um, and as a result of that fight, you get the War of Daka. Now, the War of Daka, a very quick summary, is the orcs um, uh, respond to Farsight's raids and 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 uh, and 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 attacks um, as an invitation for a war, and they come in. Uh, they come in guns blazing. We don't know how many uh, worlds were lost at this time, but that area of space called the you know that that was just reclaimed, uh, Farsight uses exterminatus weapons, um, Tau exterminatus weapons, uh, several times. This is his second act of rebellion. The Tau, uh, the especially the ethereal cast, uh, do not like the use of exterminatus grade weaponry, and. And Farsight does it several times. Yes, it's against orcs, which you think would get the pass, but I mean, if you look at the whole the the whole Tau method of of both propaganda but also expansion, is that it it really you know habitable planets are at a premium, you know, especially in the Ultima Segmentum, they are they're rare, they're valuable, um, and to lose even one of them is like a permanent loss, right? It's a loss to the ages. And for Farsight to then use use let's say destroy five or six of them, um, that's a that's a big problem. Um, we again we don't know what the names of those worlds were, but I would say they were probably those human worlds that he just spent fifteen years trying to bring back. So now with Shadow Sun in charge, those worlds uh, have not been in a grueling campaign. They haven't been um, they haven't been. Uh, damaged, uh, they or, or or crippled by invasion, they are bastions, right? They they're 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 probably they 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 probably go through a period of retrofitting, um, and then these sh- let's call them the Shadow Sun enclaves. Uh, what does that look like to the orcs? Well, they probably would have never they, they Shadow Sun probably would not have picked a fight with uh, an uh, an orc. Uh, kingdom, you know, she probably would have uh, had a lot of scouting, had a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, aircast exploration missions to kind of feel out where this orc empire is, and I think that she might have either left it completely alone, or done something that Shadow Sun is very good at, which is um, planting stealth teams deep within enemy territory uh, and and attacking. Uh, attacking targets of opportunity and kind of tripping up the enemy uh, so that they think they have an internal problem rather than an external problem. But what you get in this event, so 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 effectively, we probably don't have the War of Dhaka, um, but but simultaneously, you also never have uh, the events that take place on Arthas Malak. Uh, now, Arthas Malak is where uh, Farsight finds uh, finds the Dawnblade. And as everybody knows, the Dawnblade basically grants him immortality. You don't have that event. Shadow Sun never finds uh, the uh, the Dawnblade, and in fact, she probably dies of old age. She's already getting up there. 
um, as of right now, uh, it's uh, 825 Millennium 41. She's probably reaching the tail end of her of her life, or at least even you know getting ready for retirement. Now, I don't think that Shadow Sun would ever retire. She doesn't really strike me as that kind of a person. Um, so she probably uh, holds command in this new area of space. Um, let's call it uh, again. Let's call it the Shadow Sun enclaves, and she probably dies out there, um, either either in a minor action um, or or just straight up old age. Now, what does that mean? Well, we know that later in a commander, uh, Ashaso's life, they start taking on students, right? Um, Pure Tide did it. Farside did it. Shadow Sun is now doing it in the canonical timeline. Uh, and and these acolytes really exemplify what, uh, what, their, what their teachers um, thought was really important. So you would get an entire generation of commanders that really embrace Kayun uh, uh, rather than um, what happened in the canonical timeline where a lot of commanders adopt Montka because uh, because of Farsight's celebrity. And that's a complete cultural shift for the Tao. Uh, it, it adds a level of uh, duplicity. You know, um, it adds a, a kind of a smoke and mirrors aspect to to all of the um, to all of these new worlds. Um, you have a much larger human population. In fact, you might even go through something like a, a kind of a miniature golden age, or at least a bright age uh, that the Tao uh, experience. Now, again, not all. It sounds like I'm really saying that, like, well, you know, if uh, if Shadow Sun was involved, was in charge, everything would be better. But I think it's the actually the exact opposite. While we go through this bright age. And while, you know, the War of Confederation is avoided, the Age of Questioning is avoided, all of these negative, uh, or at least these ultimately detrimental uh, periods of time don't happen. But you also lose track of Pure Tide's legacy. Um, because there is no co- coherency, there's no, there's no student uh, that's required to be awoken, you know, Farsight basically stays on ice. Kais definitely stays on ice. The third sphere never really needs to happen because it kind of already did. And it's probably going to continue to spread, especially with an enormous human element. Remember, more than seven of these worlds that are reclaimed are are human. And if these human are evangelized, if they're turned into true believers of the greater good, then what you get is actually a real problem. Because... While the Tau basically disappeared off the galactic stage for about 250 years before, um, before the events on Dalamar, uh, which, is, uh, which is the Fire Warrior game, uh, in, in which uh, a, group of, uh, a group of space marines uh, come in and kidnap an ethereal, um, you don't have that high-tension period, uh, that Cold War that happened. Where, where the Imperium kind of knows that there's a threat, but they think that they have the threat contained, you know? They, they, think, that, they think that it can be handled with, uh, you know, the Death Watch becomes super active in the canonical timeline. Um, uh, the uh, the Astra Militarum sends uh, uh, Scions to, uh, to hit targets of opportunity, and in turn the Tau hit targets of opportunity on the other side of the border. You know, again, very much the Cold War. Without the Cold War happening... The, the, the Imperium might actually recognize the Tau as a legitimate and, and massive threat to 
the Imperium in the Ultima Segmentum. Now remember, the Imperium is a big place. Um, we've got, uh, you know, we've got uh, how over a million worlds, probably something like that. Um, everybody's always reminding, you know, like, oh, but the tower, relatively small threat. Let's just think about the, let's just think about the, the Ultima Segmentum, you know, which is basically co-managed uh, by the, by the fleet at Carduniash and by the realm of, uh, the realm of Ultramar. Um, and at this point, Marnius Calgar is the chapter master. If Marnius Calgar responded over the course of, I think it was 120 years, 120 years, uh, Marnius Calgar basically starts to harden the border of Ultramar because the Tau uh, are kind of trying to expand into uh, space that's that's close to the realm of Ultramar and and the two hundred worlds therein. Um, imagine if one day Marnius Calgar basically, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know how this works, but basically like got a report, like gets gets a receipt that not only is the Tau uh, have the Tau reclaimed everything that was lost, but now they actually have a series of heavily fortified human worlds um, that are that are galvanized, that are motivated, and that are expanding this this heretical ideology called the Greater Good uh, into more areas of space. So again, instead of Tau diplomats being sent forward, we've now had like five generations of human. Uh, human society being inducted into the, let's call it the Tao way of life. And this Tao way of life uh, has made them into true believers. And now they're sending, now they're sending out their own fleets and their own dignitaries and humanity in 40 K is extremely xenophobic, but we know that they're extremely susceptible to human uh, influence. That's one of the reasons why the gene stealer, uh, infestations are so successful because it, it wears a human face. So this is this is a this is a uh, a cultural movement um, that's just coming out of you know coming out of nowhere, and they have uh, they have again like five generations of history where they're saying that this way of living, yeah, sure, you know, you're we're allied with an alien race, but you know, is that is that that big of a deal? We have we have uh, self governance. We still worship the emperor. Um, we just think that, you know, you shouldn't eat corpse starch and uh, potable water shouldn't be something that only the aristocrats get to drink. Um, you have seven planets doing that, uh, spreading that ideology. You now have a major issue. And this major issue is happening, like, let's say we're creeping toward Millennium 41, right? Like, uh, maybe we're at, uh, maybe we're in this hypothetical universe that we're in now. We're at 500 years um, or even uh, maybe, yeah, let's say, let's say, let, let, let's mirror an event. Uh, let's say it is nine. So it's a hundred years before a um, hundred years before uh, the end of millennium 41. So we're in 900 millennium 41 uh, just before, just before uh, high fleet Gorgon uh, is about to hit the Tau. Um, if we, if we, if we, if we set the stage that the third sphere already exists, um, and it has been existing during this time, we're not at the position right now where the black crusade 
is about to launch uh, in uh, the 13th Black Crusade, right? Now, one of the reasons why in the canonical timeline, uh, Shadow Sun, who was awoken at this time, um, one of the reasons why she was able to launch the Third Sphere so successfully is that over the course of the last 30 years, uh, just before Millennium uh, 41999, uh, you have you have a massive pullback across the entire Imperium um, trying to reinforce the area around the Eye of Terror. Um, and Shadow Sun recognized that as like a weak a weakness in the Imperium, and that's why she launched the Third, uh, third Sphere uh, expansion when she did. Since that never happens, uh, since, uh, since this Third Sphere has already occurred, you actually get the, uh, let, let's say that the, uh, the Imperium is at full strength, right? It's, it's, uh, it hasn't started its very rapid decline. Um, the, 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 the Black Crusades uh, have not shown how effective they actually were yet. Um, the Imperium is basically in a period of, uh, of, of strong I ignorance. They're not worried about too many of the things that are happening because, quite frankly, they, it hasn't started yet. Um, we're 100 years before it starts. If that's the case then you look at a third sphere at a time where the Imperium is, is, is ready to go. And Marnius Calgar would be at his, let's say, at his glory years. I think that without the timeline, the, 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 the big what if of this time period um, ends with effectively the Imperium realizing that the Tower are a threat in a time period where they are able to actually deal with them. So the second Damocles Crusade that gets launched to try to, third, to, 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 try to stop the Third Sphere um, is not actually very effective. Yes, like, you know, you get your grueling warscape, which is so typical of Warhammer 40k, um, but you don't, but it, it's actually not that effective. Um, it gets tripped up fairly quickly. Um, it, uh, it, it results in, in literally thousands and thousands of Space Marines being killed, um, um, which is which is never which is never a good sign. Like the, the death of thousands of space marines uh, is is a is kind of like a permanent loss. Um, you get uh, you get titan legions that get crippled. Like like the the second Damocles Crusade is not successful at all. Where you could argue that the first one was kind of uh, the second one not at all. Um, and as a result of of uh, of this new timeline that that kind of we're what ifing. I think that the the crusade that gets launched, probably with Marnius Calgar, who's regarded as one of the you know the preeminent strategists uh, of of his age, um, smashes into um, the Tau uh, the Tau Commonwealth. Not just at the third where the third spear is, but in that southern area where where Toshfar borders, uh, where Nimbosa is, uh, all of these border colonies that he's already been worried about. Uh, because they border the uh, the realm of Ultramar, I think you get a full uh, two-pronged two attack, smashing uh, in the north and south, southern parts of, uh, of the Commonwealth. Um, you do not have Shadow Sun in charge. You have her acolytes, but her let's let's just say that the the acolytes are nowhere near to Shadow Sun's brilliance. Shadow Sun is I've, I've said this before. I think is almost at like Primarch levels of tactician. Um, she is, she's incredibly adept. I don't, I think she's a one of a kind though. I don't think you, I don't think you get another Shadow Sun for, for a long time. 
um, but without her stewardship, um, and and with this idea of Kayun, um, which is which is largely you know let let's let's call it like an active defense tactic, uh, you don't get you don't get the hard edge that comes with being uh, of the Montka philosophy. Uh, as a result, uh, you 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 would get a period of time where Calgar uh, Marnie's Calgar. Uh, would just lay waste um, and would have the full backing of a, let's call it a true imperial crusade uh, that, that is not suffering from any of the deficiencies uh, that we'll see later on uh, in, the, in the actual timeline. And so as a result, I would say that despite this bright age, this, this brief golden age, um, that would have been procured by Shadow Sun, I actually think it would ultimately result in either the, the loss of the Tao Commonwealth, it could be smashed uh, and shattered, um, or at least uh, a siege that would last over a hundred years until that 13th Black Crusade launches, and seemingly like always, Marnius Calgar, uh, as well as the Imperial forces, would be, would be pulled back. But as a result, you know, I, I can't I can't imagine even even on their best day, I can't imagine the Commonwealth being able to withstand uh, that kind of an assault for a hundred years. Um, however, uh, to end this what if scenario, I do think that then Farsight would be awoken, and Farsight perhaps and Kais at the same time, perhaps Kais uh, going after the southern breach and Farsight going after the northern breach. You could have uh, you could have uh, this dual awakening, where the remnants of Pure Tide's uh, students would actually then lead uh, uh, a much more uh, let's call it a much more grim dark uh, defense uh, of Tau space, um, and you could get you I mean it it could actually be really cool uh, where where you have ta- uh, where you have Farsight and Kais having to uh, utilize the the worst parts uh of of the tau psych, uh, psychological warfare on on the imperium uh utilizing exterminatus level uh uh level weapons on probably on tau worlds uh that are that are that are falling you know um you would have a, a rapid period of of des- a desperate innovation um just like how uh just like how we see in the enclaves uh when, when in the canonical timeline where they are fighting against tyranids and orcs simultaneously they're constantly having to come up with new weapons and new new methods of uh, of 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 let's call it absolute warfare that would now be turned against the imperium um just to throw a complete like sidewinder into that and let's say that the uh, high fleet gorgon um still lands you you would see the tau commonwealth being hit by two formations of uh, Imperial Crusade forces and a high fleet. Uh, the, uh, Tau, the Tau Commonwealth would become one of the largest uh, stages for, uh, for conflict probably in, uh, in 40K. It, w- it, would rival, uh, it would rival the third war for Armageddon, or heck, the second war for Armageddon. Um, it would rival Iandin uh, being attacked or... Uh, or, or even perhaps, you know, in a weird way, even perhaps the, the Eye of Terror uh, 13th Black Crusade itself, you know, with Tau uh, being a kind of weird proxy for Cadia, 
you know um it would be it would be really awesome uh just from just from the narratives that would come out of it uh as well as just the possibilities of uh of just all the different you know uh inter interlinked uh narratives going on you know Anva would be uh would be panicking you know um on she would have never gone on his uh, on his uh, on his on his exploration to or you know to try to figure out what happened to Farsight and then get kidnapped by the Dark Eldar, uh, all of the heroes of the Tau without Shadow Sun uh, would be in this massively entrenched war for survival, um, and uh, and and ultimately have to pull themselves out of it. If you wanna if you wanna think about grim dark Tau. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't think anything would be more grimdark for them to lose uh, half of their empire and then have to fight their way back uh, from the brink. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's uh, that's that's my jaunt through um, through Tao history, kind of in that what if way. Uh, I I think uh, I, I do kind of hope now that we've got Warhammer Plus and now that we've got. Uh, you know the the Black Library is it seems like is running out of gas with uh, the 30k uh, mini universe. Um, it, it would be nice if we could get like a Marvel style what if um, where we could see some of this stuff uh, come to light. You know, um, and I definitely uh, I, w- I would definitely love to see uh, what would happen if uh, if Shadow Sun uh, was chosen instead of Farsight. <laughs>